Welcome to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. I'm Adam. My name is Jeremy. And we're here to talk about X-Men number 20. One. Oh my <laughs> god. This is a good start so far. X-Men number 21. Yes. Two words which I combined into one. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. Reach us at our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast. Visit us on the internet at www.redcatproductions.com forward slash Danger Room. Check us out on iTunes. All you got to do there is just type in Danger Room, and we're like one of the only ones that will pop up uh, under the podcast subcategory. And leave some feedback there or on the web page, or send us an email at dangerroom at uh, redcatproductions.com. So many ways to contact us. We also have a Twitter feed now. Uh, you can find us at Danger Room Go. At Danger Room Go. Somebody should, somebody should tweet that and then retweet it and then explain to me exactly what all of that meant. <laughs> tweet and retweet, tweet, tweet, retweet. <laughs> uh, I think that's pretty much uh, all of the many ways. I mean, look, I'll give a P.O. box. If it'll help, if it'll get a letter in here. <laughs> I will go to the post office and open up a P.O. box and you can mail me something, okay? But I would rather you save the 42 cents and me the $10 or whatever it costs to get a P.O. box by just using the free email that's out there. Or you can call Jeremy at... Yeah. <laughs> Area code. Yeah. Um, so there you go, ladies and, and gentlemen. X-Men number 21, the June 1966 issue. It kind of looks like the cover of issue one where there's somebody in the corner protecting themselves and everybody else is attacking that person. Wow, I did not notice that. <laughs> I actually was just kind of looking at it and the Iceman's little ice shield he's creating kind of looks like Magneto cowering in fear. You're right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Maybe they're just rehashing covers from older issues. The colors are very similar, too. You've just blown my mind. Yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and the danger room is closed. No, but seriously, <laughs> so uh, there's a big green dude who's flying around who I can only assume is Dynamo. No. Tyran Dominus. Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> Tyrannimo. Dynamo. Wait, what would you say? Dominus. Dominus. Jeez. It's such a forgettable name that I keep forgetting it. Uh, because at the end of the last issue, they said, prepare Dominus, because Dominus is going to come and get everybody. So this has got to be Dominus that everybody's attacking, my only assumption. So, I mean, I'm sure in the 1960s, kids were anxiously awaiting, oh my gosh, Dominus is coming. <laughs> yes. Uh, for 30 days in between issues, there were kids literally rocking and back and forth, because it's summertime, <laughs> you know, they don't have school, in the corners of their bedrooms going, oh my God, Dominus is coming, Dominus <laughs> is coming, I, I can't wait to read the issue about Dominus. And here we are. This issue is titled, From Whence Comes Dominus? Dominus? Question mark? With a spooky question mark, no less. They're really into the spooky fonts. Yes. Lots, uh, or the mimic one had a spooky font too. You're right. Lots of lots of spookiness going on. This one is has exemplary editing by Stan Lee, extraordinary writing by Roy Thomas, exceptional art by Jay Gavin, exhilarating inking by Dick Ayers, ex and exasperating lettering by Artie Simek. A great cast of creative gentlemen. So when we last left the X-Men, in addition to being threatened with Dominus, we also saw that the professor had just picked up his airplane, which apparently was on the layaway program because he had bought it way before the Sentinels and Magneto battle of a few issues ago. Right. And they were flying in a generally upward motion, and apparently the ship has changed directions. Dun, dun, dun. Something bad is about to happen. The ship is now heading downward. The professor's not quite sure what's going on, but he's wearing a space helmet, so that's kind of cool. Here's what I want to know. Yes, sir. The professor has no use of his legs because he's crippled. True. Yet, he's flying the plane. Well. Does the plane not have any feet control? Well, what do the feet controls in an airplane do? I don't know. They gen <laughs> I think, 
Correct me if I'm wrong, dear listeners. You can contact us at DangerRoom at RedCatProductions.com or visit us on Facebook and many other places that we'll talk about later. But I believe those pedals control the rudders, and the rudders would make you go left or right. So there's no reason that they couldn't put that on. Now that I think about it, I think that's wrong because I think that's what the steering wheel does. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know what those pedals actually do. I don't. Do all airplanes have pedals? I don't think all airplanes have pedals. At any rate, this isn't the first time we've seen the professor operate a vehicle. He also drives. Well, come on. Didn't you, don't you remember that show with the the dude who played Wicket, like whatever Warren Wicket or Warwick, the guy, the guy Warwick that, Davis. Warwick Davis. Thank you very much. There was a show in which I can't remember what it was called, but it was back in the eighties, and uh, he was like a really rich little person, as they like to be called, and uh, he also drove a car, and in he had. I think in one episode he had, like, thumb controls for the brake and the uh, gas. And I think in another episode they showed that they had, like, raised pedals. So it can happen. Okay. Come on, man. You're saying that everything is controlled by his upper body. The professor built a danger room, for the love of God. He can build an airplane that he can fly with his entire upper body. All right. Fine. <laughs> so anyways, I, want, I got a question. Uh, in your copy, is Marvel Girl and Beast's eyes blanked out? Yes. And does Beast have red eyes? Because in mine he has red eyes. Oh, creepy. No, mine and his eyes are white. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> They're fast approaching a desert citadel, and there's a pulsating light materializing. Now, I don't think they ever really said where they're going, or did they? They said they were going to where they pinpointed uh, Lucifer. That's That's it. This must be a really fast plane, because if they're heading from the desert from New York... I mean, presumably they got to be going southwest, right? So, I mean, that's that's like a four-hour plane in a commercial jet. We have these uh, dude ranch gentlemen who appear on the next page. They seem to be very American. Yeah, I mean, this looks like Nevada or New Mexico or somewhere in that vicinity. Yeah. The airplane, I guess they skipped the issue where they sat in the plane for four hours, and I bet you that's probably good because that would have been a really wordy issue if you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Cyclops, can you pass the peanuts? Why, Angel? No, I cannot, for if my beams ever get out of control. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up, Cyclops. Watch the movie. I would watch it, but my beams might wreck the screen. Okay, anyway, so... He doesn't love me. <laughs> Shut up, female. <laughs> so there's these raindrops that are pouring down from heaven into a butt. <laughs> Rain drops keep falling down my butt. <laughs> See, it's pretty much what's happening here. B U T T E butt. Butte Not to be or confused. Butt? I think it is butt. But. Is it butt? Okay. Butt butt. <laughs> they figure out that whatever the cause of the problem must be at the bottom of that butt. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of clever deduction going on in this issue. I'm going to point out right here at the get go. So we cut away a pretty far distant away. And uh, we have some dude ranch uh, hired hands, and I guess the owner of the dude ranch, a very John Wayne-esque figure. He's very wide. They decide to go investigate. His name is Porter Mack, and he owns this particular dude ranch. Despite the fact that he clearly has a car there, he opts to ride a horse. <laughs> yes, well, you know, sometimes a horse can cover better ground than a, than a car. Yeah, he probably knows the terrain better than I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so then we cut back away to the jet, which is circling the butt, and the raindrops have stopped, and opalescent gases are coming from the butt. But to me, it just looks like a, a uh, volcano that's filled with water. And they fly down for a closer view, but as they get closer, some geysers shoot at them. Which they claim, had they struck the plane, would have destroyed them. Mm-hmm. And the professor has deduced that they are man-made, and he is certain of that. <laughs> <laughs> Based on what evidence, I have no idea. Beast questions whether or not the professor's funky helmet will stop Lucifer from performing a mental attack on the professor. His beam distorter helmet. Yes. <laughs> yes. In case Lucifer has mental beams. I must take that chance, Hank. Lucifer must be stopped. Stopped from what? They don't know yet. They just assume that it's a really... Whatever he's doing, it's got to be bad. As they continue flying around, Cyclops spots a potential entrance into Lucifer's 
underground fortress, which is a river that obviously must have been used to operate those geysers. Yeah. (laughs) Now I get it. He'd need a big water supply just like that to create those geysers. Therefore, the river must also go underneath the butt. Directly to Lucifer's headquarters. I like how the professor turns his automatic pilot on. He just says, automatic pilot, on! (laughs) It's like the torch. Flame on! Exactly. And then he calls out for a hovercraft lowering, which I thought they were going to do like a vertical landing of the airplane, but no. No, they have a small go buggy. No, it's a sled, man. It's a total sled. (laughs) It looks like a sled, but they call it a go buggy. Oh, they do call it a go buggy. This new go buggy is even niftier than my sports car, says Warren. (laughs) And it's a very awkward looking device. If you thought the professor paid a lot for his airplane, I gotta wonder what he played for his go buggy hovercraft. Scott notes that Jean has been silent. She denies it, but then says to herself, He never pays any attention to me unless he thinks there's something wrong. And that's why she's dumb. (laughs) Right there's a clear indication that he must care about me, but he doesn't want to let me know because he's, I don't know what it is, (laughs) stupid kids. Life's too short. Yes, it is. They talk about how they need to capture Lucifer in order to clear their own names. I don't think that's true. Uh, you, you know, the, the local station in New York or whatever picked up the robbery, and it's since gone viral in 1966. Well, I know, but <laughs> all I need to do really is stop Blob and... Eunice, yeah. That'll clear their names. It seems like a very... It's a very thinly laid out reason for going to go get Lucifer. I mean, obviously they need to get Lucifer because Lucifer is up to no good, but this is, you're right, this is not going to clear their names. It's just a line of dialogue they could have dropped. I mean, what are they really going to go into the, you know, the TV station and be like, this is the guy, he mentally controlled those other two guys to, oh, <laughs> never mind, this doesn't make any sense. They split up, the professor needs to stay behind because he's in a wheelchair. And the rest of the X-Men descend down the riverside, I suppose. Apparently the professor's go-buggy hovercraft does not go down the side of mountains. But you can get it down from an airplane to the ground. Must be awfully thin, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It doesn't fit. Why did I have to make it so wide? So they each go down the side of the cliff in their own very unique ways. They have a random page-filling encounter with the dude ranch crowd they basically use their powers and send them away and also cyclops almost kills them well the lead dude ranch guys recognizes them instantly as the x-men he heard on the radio that they're wanted back east so like i said you know the clip went viral so shoot him <laughs> so shoot him because maybe there's a reward <laughs> actually he says scare him down you fools so i'm assuming that they're trying to capture them alive hmm it would seem to me that if you recognize these guys as the X-Men, you'd be like, okay, they're the X-Men. One can make ice and one can shoot from his eyes. I don't think we want to uh, <laughs> take them on in a head-on approach. And yet, and yet they do. that's exactly what they do, and, and that's exactly what happens. They can't take them on because one of them shoots ice and one of them shoots uh, laser blasts. Marvel Girl and Cyclops take two very opposite approaches. Marvel Girl takes the more comedic, slapsticky way of covering the lead dude ranch's guy's face with his hat using her telekinesis. Which, if I thought this was a more intelligent comic, I would think is foreshadowing. Yes. Oh, yeah, could be. Who knows? But the Cyclops, he takes the more brutish approach of just blasting them away. He basically shoots up, shoots the ground. He shoots rocks at them, which drop on their head, and then he shoots the ground out from under their feet. And one of these poor horses lands on his back. <laughs> he does. That's awful. And it's supposed to be like indicating that they landed in the water and everybody was okay. But that horse's ass clearly landed on the cliffside. Yeah, this is just bad news. And and somebody lands on his head too. The guy riding the horse that landed on his back, all you can see is his leg. <laughs> well, the other thing about this horse is he's completely green. So, you know, there was something wrong with that horse to begin with. His uh, rider was also green, too. Oh, okay. So it works out. But in the next panel, there's there's no green horse. So I'm led to believe that the horse died. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, there's a mysterious gray horse now. Well, he kind of ran up, and he's the <laughs> he's pinch hitting for the green horse. The hired hands they grab the horses that remained alive. I'm gonna say, and they take off. Porter Mac decides that he's still gonna go after the X Men for whatever reason because he's clearly outclassed, but <laughs> figures he'll just wing Iceman because he sees him around the corner. Then out of nowhere, the angel flies down and puts him in a chokehold or something <laughs> then uh, flies up in the air and and holds him there and they don't know what to do with him i don't know why and then they put him on his horse send the horse back to town iceman freezes an ice cube around him that's got to give him pneumonia well here's what i was thinking he says i'm sure the horse knows the way to get home and by the time you get there the ice will be melted and then you can treat your third degree uh frostbite <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, two hours from now, you'll be home and the ice will be melted. <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure that if this were a normal person, first of all, that block of ice looks like it's probably a good 75, 80 pounds. So I got to imagine yeah. unless they tied him to the horse, he's going to fall off to the left or to the right. <laughs> Second of all, the horse is going to be dragging because of the extra weight. So you're right, it's going to take a couple hours. Many, many, many things that are wrong with this picture. I mean, it completely surrounds his chest and heart. So the only thing I can think of is that eventually it's going to freeze through and it's hard to <laughs> stop and he's just going to arrive all wet and dead. And everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, those X-Men, not only are they, are they bank robbers, but they're murderers. <laughs> so we return back to the story at hand. And there's a common theme throughout all of these pages. And that common theme is word balloons. Lots and lots and lots of word balloons. Every page has at least 10, 20 mm. word balloons. Uh, so the new plan here is to make an ice raft and float to Lucifer in the river. Which, again, makes no sense. Why does a nice man make an ice path? And they can just walk. Because <laughs> they like to take the risk of where the river will take them. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. And for some reason, it takes, a, it takes us four panels to get to anything that actually happens. They ride the ice raft uh, under, underneath the butt into the cavern. A whirlpool shows up underneath them, which could have been stopped by uh, if they had created a path. Yeah, well, or they would have maybe seen the whirlpool, or they could have walked over the whirlpool. Many, many, many things, you know, many things. In fact, why does a nice man stop the whirlpool? He has ice powers. He could freeze it. Yeah, that's uh, many, many good points there, um, <laughs> but he doesn't. Now, I find it also interesting that it's about this point where Iceman kind of takes the leadership reins. Yeah, try to stay together. It's our only chance. And, I mean, that's kind of obvious and everything, but, I mean, so far the X-Men's leadership skills in Cyclops have been to state the obvious, you know, and that's what's made him a good leader. And throughout the rest of this issue, you're going to see other people stating the obvious and giving commands other than Cyclops. It's very odd. Well, I like how he says in he says it's a monstrous whirlpool. It appears without warning. Yet in the prior panel, he says, listen, some strange muffled sound. Isn't that the warning? <laughs> it seems like it's coming from directly beneath us. Look, we had no warning. How did we know something from directly beneath us was going to suck us up? I mean, I get what they're trying to say, but... Again, word choice could be better. Yeah, I mean, they could have probably eliminated a couple of word balloons, and the whole thing would make a whole lot more sense. Yeah, they probably could have eliminated most of them. <laughs> we shift focus over to the butts. Many butts now. Lots of butts. Yes. <laughs> and the professor is commenting on how strange it is that he has lost telepathic contact with his team. He's kind of worried about that as he's sitting there worrying so much he is attacked from the back by two robots no he's attacked by two dominuses that's dominus isn't it it's got to be well we don't know yet i know because he was on the cover well no then the professor says but who is dominus mm. i've been deceived one of the robots says do you have to challenge the power of dominus so that robot is clearly not, unless he's referring to the other robot. Maybe they're the Dominus Collective. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, robots, they've bound me in some sort of metal band. 
And you're right. They do refer to each other as robot beta, robot alpha, kind of like the kind of like the Sentinels in their little numbering sequence that they have. Yeah, these guys reminded me a lot of the Sentinels. But they're very wordy, very very chatty for for what would simply be a robot. I would think that if I had built some robots and needed them to go get me the captive, I just wouldn't have them really say anything because there'd be no need to. <laughs> right? They just go. They're kind of talk very beast-like too well they're like we shall bear this reluctant price to our master it shall be done robot alpha i mean there's no need for robots to say any of that see i i figured it was more jaunty like it shall be done robot alpha (laughs) come robot beta (laughs) we shall bear this reluctant prize to our master bleep (laughs) bleep bloop (laughs) and the professor says well, this is for the better, because I couldn't get down in any way with my crummy legs. So now they're going to take me down. It's great. For the first time, the robots are immune to his mental blasts. Yeah, that is a first. Ah, finally. <laughs> robots that don't have brains are unaffected by the professor's mental powers. It's about time. You want to know why? It's probably because he's wearing that stupid helmet. <laughs> yes. Oh, if only I could get this helmet off. The glass is just too thick. <laughs> And then as they descend into the butt, they also get more chatty, basically unraveling or unveiling the plans of how they're going to catch the other X-Men, which, again, if you're my robot, don't shut up. <laughs> you don't need to tell the prisoner what the plan is. Heck, they shouldn't even be programmed with the, uh, with the other plans. So then we get to the bottom of the cavern, and we see a man uh, next to a set of controls, and it's Magneto. <laughs> well, look at his costume. He's got a purple cape. Well, it's Lucifer. We were kidding. Ha ha ha. We gotcha. We go to a nice splash panel. The robots look kind of like Aquaman. They have thin feet. They do look like they have flippers. And I got to say, like, I wasn't quite sure what was going on here when I first looked at this. You could look at this in many sort of ways. Like, there are some stair things that could just be, like, huge vents. Like blowing, like because cause these computers are so powerful and processing so much data that they run so hot that these fans have to con- continually blow on them, or they could be stairs, or it could be decoration. I mean, there's a lot of potential that's going on in this room. Basically, it's a big room with a lot of computer hardware. Yeah, carefully spread out. <laughs> Maybe, but then I'm wondering, like, if these are all computers. How in the world do you get from the bottom to those top ones? So these things must be stairs. And then I was thinking, like, why would you create a vertical computer structure like this? It seems like a waste of time. Why wouldn't you try to create a more horizontal computer layout? I mean, this guy clearly isn't hurting for land. Of course, the robots can fly, so they don't need the stairs. Oh, so did he program the computer, the robots to work on the computers? Well, what we learn is that this giant computer collective here is Dominus. Wait, what? Yeah, seriously. Look around you, Xavier. Behold the awesome, totally indestructible machine known as Dominus. Well, now I thought Dominus was going to be some super cool ass-kicking robot. This is just a computer room. I bet you it'll turn into a giant robot at some point. It's it's, a transformer. The butt is going to transform into an awesome robot. (laughs) He's like Omega Supreme, except we just didn't get to see the train track and the rocket. So he's nothing like Omega Supreme. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Lucifer gloats for a while. Then we come back to Angel, who escapes out of the whirlpool, realizes that everybody else is sucked under the whirlpool, decides he better go try to rescue everybody. And goes back in. There can only be one choice for an X-Man. I must go back. Yeah, so the professors really brainwashed these fools. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it turns out it's a good thing that he did go back because there is an underwater subterranean cavern that is discovered. He helps Cyclops and Jean Grey to safety, and they manage to get themselves trapped in a glass trap container cage which it looks like they head straight towards in the fifth panel if you look at the last panel it kind of folds up and around them so i I kind of agree that they probably should have tried to walk around this thing because i mean it's the x-men it's science fiction and they've already been involved in a lot of odd situations so 
why would you walk towards another odd situation? And this is another similarity between this issue and the issue with the Sentinels. Didn't they also use glass cages? Yes. So then we cut to the Beast who's underwater and has been underwater for a while. And he's pretty much giving up, so he's saying goodbye to himself. Bye-bye, Beastie. Out of nowhere, a giant green hand pulls him out of the water. And then, out of nowhere, comes the Silver Surfer. (laughs) Herald of Galactus is in the subterranean water because he wants to eat the planet. And Galactus is right behind him, and he says, this planet isn't worth us, they leave. (laughs) Okay, no, it's, it's not Silver Surfer. It's actually Iceman and an icy surfboard. Yeah, it is. Come on, doesn't it look like Iceman? I mean, the Silver Surfer? Yeah, it totally does. Okay. I'm not sure how he's surfing, though, because the water doesn't seem to be moving all that much. And there's no, Yeah, there's no waves. There's nothing really to propel him, but he's he's in action here. Maybe he's like there's a big ice trail behind him or something. Could be. So he uh, launches his uh, ice surfboard into the robot's back, and he gets him to drop the beast. And the beast tackles the other robot, and uh, they retreat from the two temporarily defeated robots, and then they run into a wall. Uh, yeah, yep, they do. <laughs> Which is very similar to Magneto's uh metallic walls that were dropping into place. You'd think that the X-Men would learn. The Professor and Magneto are watching television in somebody's underground lair. And on that screen, it looks like Lucifer is doing a puzzle. (laughs) Magneto. Yes, Magneto. The Professor is trying to pierce Lucifer's mind, but there's a mental screen which has completely uh, shut him out, which I kind of think this might be the first introduction of a of a mental screen, per se? Juggernaut had a mental screen of sorts. Wasn't that just his helmet, or was that magically imbued by the bands of Sidorak? I can't remember. I think it was his helmet, but it was probably a combination. I think, well, I think it's a combination, too, but... Because Magneto has a helmet, and he doesn't have... He can't block it yet. Yet. <laughs> Spoilers. So in the future... Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the future, we'll learn that certain super-powered beings have the ability to block mental commands which you have to it makes the professor too powerful exactly it's a yin for a yang so i think this is kind of the first statement though of of somebody either having the power or 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 whatever anyways it struck me lucifer reveals that he is actually an alien and part of an alien race who are going to conquer the planet lucifer Seems a lot to just be like, and let me tell you the story. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, his he has dialogue here, which is, then listen while I speak of Dominus. Yeah, Dominus? I'm going to tell you a little story. I'd like you to sit there and listen. Instead of just killing you and getting this thing over with, let me tell you, eons ago, we created this thing called Dominus. And if you see in the panel here, it's the same uh, uh, computer room that we saw earlier with the stairs and everything. And the green robots actually walk up and down these stairs to these platforms to operate the computer. So you were right. The, com- the robots operate Dominus. Except they fly. So they don't need stairs. That, that's a good point. I guess the stairs are for in case like who uh, Lucifer or whoever is managing Dominus needs to make like some minor repairs. That the robot's hands are too big for. Could be. Or if one of those robots breaks down, you got to send a maintenance man up to you know go change out a battery or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess Dominus is, is on the next page. Is Dominus this, this silver cylindrical thing that crashes out of mountains? Is that Honestly, Dominus? during this page, I kind of I <laughs> faded out. <laughs> well, yeah. So what they said... Is that eons ago, before while your Earth was still mass of floating gases, they were extending their power to other worlds across the universe or something. And this machine has got like a bunch of guns and it's it's a dome. I don't really know what's going on. Basically, what I gather from this whole thing is that Dominus is a is a giant robot that helps them take over the world and they transport it from planet to planet every time they want to take over the world through beams of ionic light. You're right, because the beams of ionic light, they spread around the globe of the planet 
uh, enslaving all of the intelligent beings. So this cylindrical thing is Dominus. It's just basically a giant, you will do my bidding antenna. Right. And so what they do is they show this planet uh, that was across the galaxy where they were the, an advanced civilizations, but now it's been reduced to mere automatons. I thought it would have been cooler to have been like, don't you wonder how your pyramids were built? <laughs> huh? Huh? We used Dominus. But then we had to move them somewhere else because, you know, something, something, something. Yeah, something, something, Come something. on, wouldn't that be cool? Be like part of your history was controlled by Dominus for like 10 years, and that's how you got all that cool stuff in Egypt. Well, doesn't Apocalypse have something to do with that eventually? Well, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now you're just mixing up future lore with current lore. They knew what was happening, so they were like, in 30 years, we're going to have this character Apocalypse, so we better not. <laughs> yes. Stan had this giant timeline sitting in the Marvel bullpen, and it says, 1987, Apocalypse. I'm like, oh, okay, we got to stay away from the Egypt timeline, because they're going to introduce him in 87, but somewhere in the 2000s, we're going to give him this whole Egypt persona. Right. Okay, well, anyways, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> the professor is awestruck. He says something about how it was his destiny to combat this alien race, and it's the greatest danger the Earth has ever faced. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Just like always. So then we f we uh, fast forward to uh, the Angel, Marvel Girl, and Cyclops, who are still trapped in the glass cage. One of them one of them is past gas, so they're desperately trying to get out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so smelly in here. And then the worst thing is they found out it was Marvel Girl, and apparently she just has like a really bad case of gas, and it's just awful. And she's like, I forgot my Beano. Is that broccoli she ate before they left? I get gassy when I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, uh, they see that uh, the robots are bringing uh, Beast and Iceman, so they decide that... Uh, and actually, again, it's I think it's Cyclops, again, who's not making this plan. It's the Angel who's making the same plan as they used when the Sentinels trapped him in glasses to basically rush him when they open up the glass door. No, it's Cyclops. It was it Cyclops? Oh, you're right. Cyclops says, wait until they open one side of the prison, then dot, dot, dot. See, he never finishes the plan. But see, Angel is the seed of that plan. Maybe we'll get our chance yet. I mean, he's basically inferring what they're about to do, and Cyclops just reiterates it. So, I mean, who is the plan maker well, there? What does a proper leader do? He takes credit for the good plans. <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> he's management. It's sucked back by an invisible force field, which ruins their plan. And Marvel Girl says they, they're only toying with us. The robots get very wordy once again, for whatever reason. Instead of just throwing Iceman and Beast into the cage, they have a little dialogue with each other. Seems like they're about to kill all of the X-Men, and then they get called back to Lucifer. So they just drop Iceman and Beast into the cage and leave. I feel like this is what happened with the Sentinels, too. Where it's like, let's kill them! Oh, Master Mold wants us, we'll deal with them later. Pretty much. Okay. Well, this is a new writer, so maybe he just hasn't read all the back issues. Yeah, could be. So uh, they all of the X-Men now are together in the, in the glass cage. The green robots have flown away, except for one of them. Who stays behind to uh, move the prisoners to a new location for some reason. And then Beast comes up with this next plan. Not Cyclops. But the beast. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> and his idea is to project a minuscule amount of telekinetic energy through the glass to flip a switch. Which lowers the force shield. Allowing Cyclops to blast away. It's a pretty impressive plan. Mm -hmm. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd think that she would have been trying that this whole time rather than doing whatever it was she was doing before. But hey, there's switches on the wall. Maybe I should flip them and see what happens. Marvel Girl's powers are pretty well used in this issue, which is definitely something new. Yeah, the the women's lib group, I think, must have wrote in a few and been like, come <laughs> on, use her. You got a girl. It's Roy Thomas. He's like, why didn't Stanley ever use this character? And Stanley's like, I don't like women. <laughs> so, yeah. so Just put them in the comics so that women read them. It's all about sex appeal, Roy. Sex appeal. You got to have legs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't even know what her name is. I made her a name, but I just call her Legs. I call her Redhead Legs. 
Cyclops short circuits the robot. He shoots him in what he thinks is a weak point on the robot's back. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he figured that out, but if he's wrong, they're doomed. <laughs> yeah, he's very. But he does find the uh, weak spot, and the robot falls over. Uh, and then the angel says something like, uh, "One thing's for sure, psych. A cheerful Charlie, you're not." Which struck me. I'm like, I, I wonder if that was actually a phrase back in the '60s. Hey, cheerful Charlie. <laughs> oh, you ain't a cheerful Charlie today, are you? No, no, I'm not. I'm a glummy Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the X-Men take off. They're heading towards Lucifer's cabin, I guess. Let's call it a den. Okay, Lucifer's den. Lucifer's den of evil. Lucifer notices that the X-Men have escaped, so he sends the robots back to the back to go get them. <laughs> yes, what, why did he call them at all? There's really no explanation as to why he called the robots away in the first place. But he sends them back. There's got to be something here. I'm pretty sure no, there's no. No, there's just, nothing. Oh, we got to go. Well, we got to go again, which I think is exactly what happened with the Sentinels. Once again, they got called away. The X-Men escaped. They're like, oh, gosh, we got to go with those X-Men. Yeah, this is that's just sad. The professor keeps probing and apparently uh, looks indifferent to what's happening with the X-Men. Apparently Lucifer thought he was going to freak out about it. Mm -hmm. No, don't send your robots back to fight the (laughs) X-Men. But um, none of that happens. He's too busy concentrating. So Lucifer gets kind of angry and says, well, since you don't care, I'm going to kill the X-Men. Which begs the question, like, what was he going to do with them in the first place? Yeah, he was just planning on capturing them before. Just keeping them and feeding them and letting them sleep and just giving them a, a decent life inside of a glass cage for a while. But now that the now that the, he finds that the professor is indifferent, he's going to kill them. Which, if the, professor, if the professor really is indifferent, won't mean anything. <laughs> uh, and so the X-Men are kind of skulking around the compound, basically. Uh, they hear the robots coming, so they hide. Yep. I don't know. It's a lot of pages that basically do nothing. The professor finally gets a message through to the X-Men, and, and he, he issues one order, and I don't understand why this causes so much controversy, but you must do as I say, <laughs> without question, without hesitation. Under no circumstances must you attempt to damage the gigantic mechanical complex, which is called Dominus. Okay, so the professor has been known to give very blunt, straightforward, kind of confusing orders in the past, and everything has worked out. But for some reason, this time, it causes a divide. There was the Fantastic Four issue where the professor was under mental control. That's true. Puppet master control. Puppet master mental control. Yep. And then there was, more recently, uh, Mimic took over the professor's powers. Okay. And uh, sort of briefly led the X-Men into a trap. So what you're trying to tell me is that the X-Men have lost all faith in their bald, possibly senile leader, Professor Xavier. Yeah, Okay. and honestly, okay. it's about time. <laughs> all right, all right. So what you're saying is that the two folks here that follow him blindly are probably more so the fools than the people that are actually questioning the order? Well, you know that's not going to be the way it pans out, but yeah, I wish. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, so there's, so they okay. So the X Men uh, descend their way into the Dominus machine. I don't, I'm not quite sure if they realize that they're within Dominus yet. I don't think so. But they're climbing down all those little stairs and stuff. So I mean, that's why the stairs are there. Even though Angel could fly down, he's using the stairs too. What I want to know is how did they all end up on different sections of the stairs? <laughs> well, see, Marvel Girl levitated to one area. <laughs> Beast jumped to another area. Nice man slid. I mean, they all use their powers to get to different, uh, well, anyway. In the first panel on page 16, they're all using the same letter. And then in the second panel, they all come out on different spots. Well, they're, it's missing a panel. The panel in which they flew to different directions. Uh, and then they uh, encounter the professor and uh, Lucifer who are hanging out. Lucifer's doing the fist pump. <laughs> Curses you kids, I would have gotten away with it. Again, leading us to believe that this really is Magneto. <laughs> Jean uses her power to... Use, see, this is why capes are bad. She uses her yeah. power to cover his face with his cape. 
score one for Jean Grey. This is like the uh, this is the first time she wins the day. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> She'll probably try this technique on Magneto next time they bump into each other. I sure hope so. I think it'd be awesome if she used her telekinetic powers to twist his helmet around on his face. She <laughs> should even be doing that to Lucifer. I mean, the way that this helmet is molded, I mean, his, it, it would really hurt. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, he would probably, like, it wouldn't kill him, but it would probably break his nose. You know? uh, she should just kill him, pop his head off. That's true. She never really uses her telekinetic. I mean, don't you think she could use her telekinetic powers to, like, break a pinky? Yeah. I mean, that would be enough. I mean, oh, I'm an evil supervillain. But, I mean, if you broke your pinky, wouldn't that kind of reduce you to a crying child? Like, oh, my yeah. pinky. Oh, for God's sakes. Or she could wrap his cape around his knee and break his kneecap. There's a lot of things that could happen here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've seen her sew with her telekinetic power, so she could theoretically untie a shoe and then tie the two shoes together so that when you take a step, you trip. Yeah. That would be She hilarious. should be doing that to everybody. You know, it's too bad she's not a funnier lady. (laughs) (laughs) She could have some fun with her power. That's all I'm saying. So, meanwhile, while Jean Grey is taking on Lucifer, Mm -hmm. the rest of the X-Men are arguing about whether or not it's really the professor who got in their heads. And this is what also tells me that Cyclops has lost control of his team. Everybody else is giving orders leading up to this moment, and at this moment, he gives the order, no, no. We must listen to the professor. We must not destroy this thing that they call Dominus yet. Iceman and Angel, I'm not sure about Beast, Baby Beast too, are all out to destroy it. Yeah, Beast Beast eventually turns traitor. Iceman tries to hurl a um, block of ice at the machine. Well, what happens first is that Angel goes flying up towards the machine, and he's apparently he's going to batter it with his wings or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to punch it. No, he says he's going to he says he's going to fly up there and start ripping out wires. Oh, okay. Which is always a good idea when you're dealing with uh, high voltage electronics. Why are there exposed wires? <laughs> anyway, uh, Cyclops blasts him in the back with his deadly blast ray. Oh, my blast ray! It's so deadly. I don't want to fall in love with anybody because I might kill them, but there's my buddy. I'll shoot him in his wings again. <laughs> Jean Grey can't slow him down, but the beast is able to catch him, and that's when Iceman springs into action and hurls his little ice chunk up to the machine. I think he's throwing it at Cyclops. You're right. Actually, you're right. He throws the ice ball at Cyclops, and Marvel Girl thwaps it with her telekinesis. This is how you know he's lost control. Nobody's listening to him, and then they're attacking him. This is when the beast goes turncoat, if that's what the actual phrase is. If indeed it was the professor who contacted us mentally, which I doubt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's that's pretty childish for the supposedly very smart beast. (laughs) And I doubt that. So the robots return to the fray, attacking Beast. Beast dodges. The robot runs into the wall and explodes. I have a question, though. One of the, I don't know, one of the experts says, Beast, looks out, it's one of the robots. And then he goes, I didn't think it was Soupy Sales. <laughs> now, I've heard that before. Who, who or what is a Soupy Sales? I think Soupy Sales was like a, co- a comic, like a, a comedian or a, a clown in the 60s, but. Okay. Don't quote me on that. Like Red Skelton or something. Okay. Super Sales. Super Sales. Lucifer is on the ground. Oh, he just finally got out of his cape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's taken him like two pages, but he got out of his cape finally. He's just been on the floor like struggling and crying. <laughs> like, oh my God. Ah. <laughs> I can't get out. So with the robot having destroyed itself, Against the wall, the X-Men realize that the machine, Dominus, won't let itself get damaged. Holy smoke, that robot was completely demolished and the machine was unharmed. Oh, I see. So, is that because the robot destructed itself when it realized it was going to hit Dominus? Well, Marvel Girl says, why did the robot attack so recklessly that it was destroyed? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, it must have just hit the wall, but... Dominus has some sort of inability to be damaged? I'm not really sure here. 
Uh, it doesn't make any sense at this point. I mean, none of this logic makes any sense. Let's just keep moving. Okay, so one of the robots heads straight for Angel to go in for the kill, but his wings are still numb from Cyclops' reckless use of his power. When retreated to another... You do it. Sit! <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently Cyclops' awesomely powerful power makes the sound of... Zit! <laughs> when he uses it. At which... Uh... Angel says, you came through in a pinch. <laughs> because that's what you do to it. All right, anyway, so, uh, and that almost makes up for you shooting me in the first place. I still wouldn't forgive him. The final three robots attack them all, and here's where Cyclops regains some control. He tells Bobby to throw up a curved ice shield, and uh, because it's curved, I guess, the robots Zizrays, bounce off of the <laughs> Dominus wall back into them and destroy them. Because it's curved, the blasts... Wait, just think. If the shield hadn't have been curved, the blast would have hit more solidly and probably broken through. So what he did was he created he created some Pythagorean theorem here. <laughs> the, yes. the robot shot the angle and the angle bounced off the wall and which in the wall here is presumably Dominus. So look, Dominus should be in a lot of pain right now, but, but anyways, he's well, not. Dominus is invulnerable. That's what I'm trying to, if Dominus is invulnerable, then why would you care if the X-Men attacked it or not? Again, this is where the logic is completely faulty. These last three pages just fall apart. If you, if you support, any idea of logic. All right. Lucifer is apparently deluded because he thinks he's won because he's throwing up his fists in a I won pose. Finally, I've destroyed. Wait a minute. Those are my robots that are destroyed. <laughs> he's doing a uh, Scooby-Doo accursed X-Men and your little professor too. <laughs> I would have gotten it away from you if it wasn't for your wheelchair guy. Your wheelchair bald man. <laughs> and so... Slowly, haltingly, like a man in a dream, the defeated alien mounts. The dais? Yes, the dais. He gets a call from the Supreme One, who is pretty disappointed that all the robots have been destroyed. Since the robots are the only ones who actually control Dominus, and uh, he banishes Lucifer to a nameless dimension where neither time nor space exist. <laughs> I see a couple wow. of flaws in the design of Dominus. First of all, it's controlled by robots. Second of all, no spare robots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, just saying. Look, if if this big, bigger onion-headed man here with the <laughs> lightning bolt onion head, forehead The thing, Supreme One, yes. Yeah. The Supreme One. If he's got the power to suck up all of... Dominus, and at the same time, send Lucifer to this timeless, spaceless domain. Couldn't he just hurt the X-Men too, or this portion of wherever they are, and maybe do a little damage? Or mm, No, I think Lucifer has some sort of alien spaceship that allows him to be under the control of the Supreme One. And that's why he disappears. As far as the stuff getting sucked out, I think it's just... Uh, that, that's just what happens with fancy Dominus light beam. Okay. <laughs> the shaft of light, it reappeared. You know, Dominus is being drawn back into space. So maybe whatever material Dominus is made out of. Oh, so basically they suck all of the pieces of Dominus? Oh, yeah. man, into I didn't space. realize that at first. That's yeah. terrible. Well, I mean, come on. They had a significant investment in Dominus. Not like they're going to let that thing go to waste. Oh, they, I just, why didn't they just make it disappear? It's a sci-fi bag. <laughs> yeah. They could have just been like, all of Dominus is vanishing. It must be going back to them. Instead, nope. it's like getting sucked out the 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 top of the butt. In a su giant subspace vacuum cleaner. <laughs> The professor probed something, and we don't know what, that revealed that Dominus would resist all of your efforts to destroy it. That doesn't make any sense, because they didn't even try to destroy it. When he was concentrating so hard. Yeah. Apparently that's what he was concentrating on. I don't know. Well, yes, obviously that, but what was he, what was he 
probing? Who was he probing? Was he probing I, Dominus or yes, Lucifer? It, it makes no sense. <laughs> or maybe the, the great one or the evil one or whoever he is, the giant onion head man. Uh, hurling back any force used against it. That's why I told you to concentrate on the robots. You were indispensable. Well, you were indispensable to this operation. Well, thanks, Professor. I'm glad you didn't look at us as disposable. No, the robots were indispensable. Oh, okay. Whoops. All right. Anyways. But this is the okay. The professor didn't tell them to focus on the robots. No. He didn't tell them that at all. He gave them one command, and that one command basically turned all the X Men against each other. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, he managed to pierce Lucifer's mental screen at close range and led him to command the robots to recklessly. So how, what, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I guess maybe Lucifer had mental control over the robots. I don't really know. And so the probing, I don't look, I don't know, <laughs> probing and piercing and all of this sort of stuff. The professor basically saved the day once again. One last time. It makes no sense. No, it, it makes absolutely no sense. Uh, I, I hope Lucifer never comes back because every time he shows up, it makes no sense. It's yeah, they're 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 not really that engaging of issues. Uh, and yeah, and this is. I, I, I thought the issue was fine. Is this issue? No, this issue has been terrible. <laughs> In my opinion, it this just was, made no sense. This was this was a hard read to get through all of this wordiness and to get to this conclusion where none of it made any difference. And basically all the X-Men did was get captured, fight amongst themselves, and get back in the hover car and leave. Well, Marvel Girl threw the guy's cape over his head. That's true. Marvel Girl kind of came into her own in this issue. But the other X, uh, the X-Men, the men of the X-Men team, they uh, they kind of fell apart in my opinion. This is... Uh, Fighting not, amongst themselves. Yeah, it's not a good testament to teamwork and all that sort of stuff that the X-Men try to portray. So anyways, uh, in the next issue, we are promised or threatened with uh, Count Nefaria. And uh, so it it also ends with a nuff said. And in my book, that generally means like, don't need to say anything else because these words say it all. Count Nefaria. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know, like in the 60s, I'm a little boy, 14 years old with my, my... a disappointing issue 21. Am I like, Ooh, Count Nefaria is coming back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, either that or Count Nefaria must be pretty awesome because there's enough set afterwards. That's what I'm saying. A, he's got a reputation and B, he's awesome. I don't know. He doesn't have a reputation and, and I don't know whether or not he's awesome, but because that enough set is there, it doesn't matter. Are you jazzed? Are you, are you more excited? I am psyched. (laughs) enough said enough said folks uh yeah enough said the danger room is closed (laughs) i don't know